The faith of God. There's a deep question at the heart of Jewish faith, and it's very rarely asked. As the Torah opens, we see God creating the universe day by day, bringing order out of chaos, life out of inanimate matter, flora and fauna, in all their wondrous diversity. At each sage, God sees what he has made and declares it good. What then went wrong? How did evil enter the picture, setting in motion the drama of which the Torah and, in a sense, the whole of history is a record? The short answer is man, humanity, us, homo sapiens. We, alone of all life forms so far known to us, have free will, choice and moral responsibility. Cats don't debate the ethics of killing mice. Vampire bats do not become vegetarians. Cows don't worry about global warming. It's this complex capacity that we have to speak, think, and choose between alternative courses of action that is at once our glory, our burden, and our shame. When we do good, we are little lower than the angels, but when we do evil, we fall lower than the beasts. Why then did God take the risk of creating the one form of life capable of destroying the very order he'd made and declared good? Why did God create us? That is the question posed by the Gemara in Sanhedrin. When the Holy One, blessed be he, came to create man, he created a group of ministering angels and asked them, do you agree that we should make man in our image? They replied, sovereign of the universe, what will be his deeds? God then showed them the future history of humankind. The angels replied, what is man that you are mindful of him? In other words, don't create him. God then destroyed the angels. He created a second group and asked them the same question, and they gave the same answer. So God destroyed them. He then created a third group of angels, and they replied, Sovereign of the universe, this first and second group of angels told you not to create man, and it didn't avail them. You didn't listen. What then can we say but this? The universe is yours. Do with it as you wish. And God created man. But when it came to the generation of the flood... And then to the generation of those who built the Tower of Babel, the angels of God said to God, Were not the first angels right? See how great is the corruption of humankind. And God replied, Those words from Isaiah, Even to old age I will not change, and even to grey hair I will still be patient. So says the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Technically, the Gemara is addressing a stylistic challenge in the text. For every other act of creation in Genesis 1, the Torah says, God said, let there be, and there was. In the case of the creation of humankind alone, there's a preface, a prelude. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Who is the us? And why the preamble? In their seemingly innocent and childlike, but actually subtle and profound way, the sages were answering both questions by saying that with, to quote Hamlet, an enterprise of this pith and moment, God consulted with the angels. They were the us. 
But now the question becomes very deep indeed, for in creating humans, God brought into existence the one life form with the sole exception of himself, capable of freedom and choice. That is what the phrase means when it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. For the salient fact is that God has no image. To make an image of God is the archetypal act of idolatry. This means not just the obvious fact that God is invisible, he can't be seen, he can't be identified with anything in nature, not the sun, the moon, thunder, lightning, the ocean, or any of the other objects or forces people worshipped in those days. In this superficial sense, God has no image. That, wrote Sigmund Freud in his last book, Moses and Monotheism, was Judaism's greatest contribution. By worshipping an invisible God, Jews tilted the balance of civilization from the physical to the spiritual. But the idea that God has no image goes far deeper than this. It means that we can't conceptualize God. We can't understand him. We can't predict him. God isn't an abstract essence. He's a living presence. That is the meaning of God's own self-definition to Moses at the burning bush. I will be what I will be, meaning I will be what I choose to be. I am the God of freedom who endowed humankind with freedom. And I am about to lead the children of Israel from slavery to freedom. When God made humanity in his image, it means that he gave humans the freedom to choose so that you can never fully predict what they will do. They too, within the limits of our finitude and mortality, will be what we choose to be. Which means that when God gave humans the freedom to act well, he gave them the freedom to act badly. There's no way of avoiding this dilemma, even for God itself, himself. And so it was. Adam and Eve sinned. The first human child, Cain, murdered the second, Abel, and within a short space of time the world was filled with violence. In one of the most searing passages in the whole of Torah, we read at the end of this week's parsha, God saw that man's wickedness on earth was increasing. Every impulse of his innermost thought was only for evil all day long. God regretted that he'd made man on earth and was pained to his very core. Hence the angel's question, the ultimate question at the heart of faith. Why did God, knowing the risks and dangers, make a species that could and did rebel against him? That did and could devastate the natural environment, hunt species to extinction, and oppress and kill his fellow man? The Talmud, in imagining a conversation between God and the angels, is suggesting a tension within the mind of God himself. The answer God gave the angels is extraordinary. Even to old age, I won't change. Even to grey hair, I will still be patient. Meaning, I, God, am prepared to wait. If it takes ten generations for a Noah to emerge and another ten for an Abraham, I will be patient. However many times humans disappoint me, I will not change. However much evil they do in the world, I will not despair. I despaired once and brought a flood. But after I saw that humans are merely human, I will never bring a flood again. God created humanity because God has faith in humanity. Far more than we have faith in God, God has faith in us. We may fail many times, but each time we fail, God says, even to old age, I won't change, 
and even to grey hair, I will still be patient. Meaning, I will never give up on humanity. I will never lose faith. I will wait for as long as it takes for humans to learn not to oppress, enslave, or use violence against other humans. That, implies the Talmud, is the only conceivable explanation for why a good, wise, all-seeing, and all-powerful God created such a fallible, destructive creature as we are. God has patience. God has forgiveness. God has compassion. God has love. For centuries, theologians and philosophers have been looking at religion upside down, the real phenomenon at its heart, the mystery and the miracle is not our faith in God. It's God's faith in us. Shabbat Shalom.